We are live from New York. It's Secret Level Night. Ooh. Nice. Man, so are you ready for this? You ready for some recording? This is our first podcast of the new year of 2023. It is. It's weird, isn't it? We made it. We made it through 2022. Yeah. Uh, we, we survived. It, it, we survived. Jerry yeah. Jeremy Renner barely survived. Right. <laughs> Poor guy. Holy crap. Even though he's like putting out all these positive messages, man, you just look at his face and I was like, crap, that had to hurt, man. Uh, dude. Blunt chest trauma. Right. He got plowed over with a snow plow. I, what, what madness. I feel so bad for him. Like, that sucks. Yeah. And he's out the, there helping people, too, when this happens. And it's just right. like, man, what a way to start off the new year. Uh-huh. I, exactly. You know, you don't want to start off getting trampled by a snow plow. Right. But... But he's, you know, he seems like he's doing okay. He looks so out of it, but it, it seems like he's doing okay. Yeah, he's in good spirits for what's going on. For sure. Considering. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, we could talk about this all day long because I read a big article about like the, the equipment that he was using shouldn't have done what it did by yes. rolling over like that. Yeah. So I, that's even the guy doesn't need money, but he definitely should bring something up so they their safety features are a little bit better. Oh, for sure, you know. So when you you're plowing in Tahoe. When I'm you're, yeah, you're, when I'm plowing with your mile long driveway in Tahoe. Yeah. It doesn't happen to you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, crazy. so uh but yeah, I mean, you know, my my year started off rough, but then I see what happened to uh Mr. Renner and I I can't complain. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. I had that perspective today at work. I was like, you know, I was all bummed with myself because I just found out I have high cholesterol, which is a bummer. So I went through that. I went through yeah. the high cholesterol phase. Billy knows this. Billy knows yep. it was a rough. It was a rough patch in my life. It was a surprise <sighs> because I feel like I'm in shape and like, you know, I exercise and I thought I was eating right, except for, you know, the hamburgers, the ice cream, the chili dogs. <laughs> but those are healthy. <laughs> it's, just, it's like. The, the the 18 basic food groups, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, they taste good, so that means they're healthy. Duh. Oh, man. But yeah, so that so that's that's crazy. Yeah, it was it was funny cuz the doctor prefaced it with you you're you've got a strong heartbeat, your blood pressure is probably the best blood pressure I've ever seen, but you have high cholesterol. And I was like, "What? Was it just, super high or was it like was it like was the doctor because when I got the news, the doctor uh -huh. was like, I mean, the look on his face was pretty awful. Like, it made it seem like, dude, what the hell are you eating, bro? Right. Well, okay. <laughs> like, so, like, it was like, it was bad. Like, it was yeah. bad enough to where they're like, hey, you need to change your diet or we need to put you on medication. And I'm R like, okay. And I'm yes. like, yeah, I'll change my diet. And I did. And I'm, still alive so right well he called me i i'm going into he's going to tell me all my numbers when i get in there but he called me and he's like oh let me read your results and he's talking about my blood pressure and blah 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 and then he goes oh and i was like what and he's like you have very high cholesterol you need to come see me i was like oh shoot come on man 
just tell me over the phone. He's like, no, we have to discuss this in person. So it's like getting called to the principal's office. I don't really want to go, but you don't want to get called into the doctor's office, right? You don't want him to be like, oh, like shocked by what what's happening with you. Yeah, exactly. All right, all right. Let's get into this. Let's get into. Let's this. do it. Here we go. Here we yep. go, everybody. You ready for this? Yes. I am Joey Barr, editor in chief of GeekTyrant.com, and joining me today is Billy Bazooka Joe Fisher. I'm magically delicious. And you are listening to Secret Level. Yes. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the wonderful, uh, playful, happy, joyous film Gremlins. Ah, the 1984 classic Gremlins. Joe Dante. The director of awesomeness. Because right. he listens to this podcast and then, like, critiques you know, us. Critiques us. Yeah. Um, but I did realize doing this one, majority of our podcasts have been about Joe Dante films. I mean, we have a good mix, I think. But yeah, we do a lot of Joe Dante he, movies. He's got a lot. And I'm okay with it because they're always my favorite. Joe I mean, Dante was my childhood dude. Like, right. I loved his movies growing up. And there's nothing more to say about that. No, they've, they've all been great. They've all been great. Um, we'll have to do The Howling someday. We'll we, talk about that a little bit today. We'll do The Howling someday. It's crazy, though. Gremlins was nuts. Like, it, it's actually... I watch Gremlins during the holidays pretty much every year. Maybe there's a couple of years where I didn't watch it. But for the most part, I try and watch it during the holidays. Right. And usually... I throw it on in the background while I'm doing stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Before this podcast, I sat down. I'm like, got to take notes, going to pay attention to this thing. And just so much stuck out to me of how dark and disturbing and demented right. this movie is. And, and I love it for that. But, like, I love this movie as a kid, but I'm sitting here watching it, and I'm like... What the hell? Like, there's, it's so, it's so dreadful and sinister. And it's not, I mean, it's a kid's movie, but it's not a kid's it's movie. It's not. It's a Christmas movie, but it's not a Christmas movie. This is a straight up horror film with Absolutely. some, with some fun Elements. things thrown into it. Right, right. With some charming, cute gremlins and some, charming evil gremlins that you you know that you just enjoy watching but then there's the undertones of things and and this this darkness of this town and it's not even like the gremlins are the scariest part of the film it's no it's the it's the backstories of some of the characters right <laughs> that just like mess you up that you don't remember uh, like learning when you were a kid i mean there's talk of suicide in this and when you're a kid i mean and i'm thinking about it i'm like man watching this movie in 1984 in the theater on the big screen with my parents like that must have been the first time i ever heard what suit the word suicide right 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 um oh it's just it's so crazy and oh and the other thing the other Mm -hmm. thing yes is the movie reveals that there's no Santa Claus. 
And it, dude. And <laughs> Bro, my kids have seen this movie like four times and they still haven't picked up on it. See, when I watched it, I didn't pick up on it either when I was a kid. But now right. I'm watching it and I'm like, holy shit, man. They like, they like ruin that for kids. <laughs> right. Well, and here's the thing too is like, um, that story hits on a whole different level now. Like they make fun of it in Gremlins Two: The New Batch. Sure, of, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, if that really happened to somebody, holy shit, that's disturbing. I would right. hate Christmas too. <laughs> Screw that. But we'll, this we'll, is the we'll thing. We'll get into that. We'll get yeah. into that though, for sure. Yeah, we're gonna get into the Santa Claus speech. Um, <laughs> look. Before I started doing research for this, it hit me while I was watching it. I was like, this is, it's a wonderful life, but scary. Well, you, wonderful life is pretty scary, if you think about it. It's pretty scary. It is scary. I mean, it's, oh. a, it's, a, it's a scary story about life and right. how, like, life can just continually beat you down and you have to scrap and work your ass off to make it in this world. And that's a scary thought because it it's not easy to make it in this world. And what what got me too is like something that always creeped me out about it's a wonderful life, and what creeps me about out about Gremlins is it feels like like Kingston Falls is claustrophobic, like it's yes. like in a sealed area, and it's yes. like they have nowhere to go. So it and it's like an episode of the Twilight Zone too, you know, like yes, you know those Twilight Zone episodes that are just uh, take place in these little small town areas, right? And these yep. crazy things are happening. It's like it's, a nightmare that you just want to like. They could have prefaced this was with uh, you are now entering the twilight zone. Absolutely, which is funny that you're saying that because the executive producer Steven Spielberg and Joe Dante both worked on the Twilight Zone movie. Yes, and we will talk about that movie yes. because that one's crazy too. That oh, I a, can't wait. That has and, a, a wild backstory. Holy oh crap. Goodness. But yeah, we won't get into that now. Let's move on. Let's yes, move on. Um, okay, so first things first. What's new with you, buddy? I did the Rose Parade this year. Saw that, yeah. My, my wife had never gone. I grew what? up. What? Yeah, so I what? grew up. When I was a kid, I grew up going to this thing. She so, was like five minutes away from it. Her mom would never let her go. Oh, man. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I haven't been since I was a teenager. Right. We used to go all the time. Yeah. But I remember going as, as a, you know, a youth and just getting it was crazy and fun. And I just remember staying up all night and just having a blast with, right. with my buds. So this year we got together with some friends. My wife had never done it before, so we're like, let's do it. We're going to do the whole thing. I'm like, we're going to go the night before. We're going to spend the night on the street. It's going to be crazy. Right. <laughs> I'm never going to do it again. <laughs> you realize you're 44, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was yeah. freezing cold. I I was just like bundled up in my in my sleeping bag hoodie. Yes, I have a sleeping bag hoodie, Billy. Just wait till you see this thing. I'm really <laughs> jealous about that. I've never heard of it, and now I want it. Yes, you do. Uh, Give me that. And I didn't sleep at all. I wanted to. It wasn't right. like I was up all night partying. It was more like I was up all night freezing my ass off. <laughs> 
trying to sleep. <laughs> trying to survive. And couldn't do it. Oh, man. Oh, jeez. I'm just like, please let the hot chocolate guy walk by one more time. And he never walked by. <laughs> oh, no. But it's hit or miss with that because there were some years that we were out there in shorts and a T-shirt waiting for the parade the next day. I know. But, but then there's some years where it's like I've got icicles coming out of my nose right now. This is and no this good. was like one of the colder years for sure. Oh, my gosh. And right now in California, it's just dumping rain like insanely. And I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I love oh, the rain. So I'm outside. I'm splashing around in the puddles. I'm like building little boats out of newspapers and watching them go down the gutter and then it falls down a gutter and I'm like, oh no, where did it go? And then I go to like reach my hand down in there and this guy comes up out of the freaking sewer in a clown suit. I'm like, holy shit, what are you doing down there? And he's like, hello, Joey. How are you today? <laughs> I was holding back, I couldn't wait. <laughs> And I'm like, jeepers, mister, what are you doing down there? And he's like, oh, I live down here, Joey. It's nice and comfortable down here. It's warm and dry. And I'm like, man, it's wet and rainy up here. He's like, come on down. I've got a balloon for (laughs) you. And so, like, I'm like, sure, let's do it. So... You know, I went down in the sewer, spent some time with this, like, creepy clown, and just had a good time. Played right. some video and, games. And you have both your arms, so, I mean... I've, I've got both my arms still. I survived. Sounds good. I love that. Yeah, good job. Yes. Yeah, at first I was jealous that you were there, because I remember the good times, and then I talked to you the next day, and I was like, well, that sounds like crap. <laughs> um, I'm glad I didn't go. Yes. Yep. Uh, yep. So, you made it through the holidays safely. Made it through the holidays. It was, it was fun. It was, it was the holidays. It's crazy. It's just busy. Uh, family is trying to like pull you in all different directions, and you're like, man, I sure wish I just would have ditched all this and went to Hawaii. Well, there's always next year. There is. And then we could do a podcast of the North Shore on the North Shore. Oh my gosh. First of all, if you haven't watched North Shore, go watch it now. We're doing an episode on it, Billy. Heck yes. Billy just brought it into the universe. It's going to yep. happen. Love that movie. Love that movie. Oh, <laughs> man. I shouldn't have said it. Is it. The no, ultimate, really it is the ultimate 80s film. It is Absolutely. the ultimate 80s film. From beginning to end. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's just nonstop 80s. Absolutely. What about you? How how was the holidays for you guys? You know, it wasn't bad. Like usually we have a lot of people at our house and a lot of people hanging out and stuff, but it unfortunately a lot of people were sick, so it just ended up being my family at home. Hmm. Um I did pull off the ultimate present for my kids. Okay. Okay. For about 2 weeks before Christmas uh, Jessica and I went and bought a trampoline for the kids and we put the box in the middle of our living room wrapped. Yeah. And the kids were like going insane trying to figure out what this thing was. <laughs> what is this? And we had just got done watching the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special so they kept calling it Kevin Bacon Oh, and checking if he was alive in there. It's a shame that uh, you didn't really get Kevin Bacon. It is a shame because after they said it, I was like, oh, that would have been so much better. <laughs> They would have loved it. Even just like a life-size cardboard cutout of Kevin Bacon would have worked. 
Yeah. Oh, there's always next year. I've already got it in the the works. Awesome. Kevin Bacon will show up for Christmas. Yes. But um, so on Christmas Eve, I had to wait till they all went to bed, which was nearly impossible. I got out all the parts of the trampoline, went outside and put it together by myself. Jessica came out and held some stuff up for me, but I, it took me three hours. You said by yourself, and your wife looked at you like, what are you talking about? So you changed I, your answer, didn't you? I, I felt it. <laughs> she's not in the room with me right now, but I said it, and I was like, oh, she's going to kill me. So, yes, Jessica helped. She she helped. Um, but, yeah, it took me three hours. We got it up, and so when they tried to open the gift, they opened it up, and they're like, it's a trampoline, and they're like, it's empty. And I said, go look in the backyard, and... I don't think I've seen them since. They've been out there jumping on the trampoline. Oh, crazy. Ever since. Awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. So, you know, act, outdoor activities, that's the way to go. Yep. I, I also started Yellowstone. Oh, man. Yep. Yeah. I'm all caught up through season five. You're <sighs> yeah. in for quite the journey, sir. I think I'm digging it a little bit more than Jessica is, but she's still watching it because she wants to see what happens. There's characters that she hates and wants to see them go down. Well, that's the whole point of the show. Yeah. Uh, there's gonna, characters there's that she characters loves. There's characters you're going to love and there's characters yep. you're going to hate. Yep. Every, every episode, she's wishing the death of Beth. She has claimed that she is the most evil character in all of entertainment history. So, you know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, I I I could never hang out with Beth. Right. <laughs> but as a character, she is so interesting. Right? And and I and I love her character. I do. Right. There, there's a lot of depth to there's, that. There's I've, a, I've only so six much, episodes in, but Oh yeah. yeah. Just wait. Just wait. You're going to die. Yeah. Well, it's hard cuz everybody at my work talks about it, so I'm trying to like Plug my ears uh, as I walk by them because they're like, did you see this? And I'm like, just shut up. And now I know who the characters are. So when they say something, I'm like, well, what happens to them? Yeah. What did Rip do? Jimmy? What happened to Jimmy? Where did Jimmy go? So we're, we're going to figure this out. Okay. But in that time, we've watched Gremlins. Yes, Gremlins. And uh, I'm actually watching it now while we're recording. I have it on mute and on behind the camera. So amazing. So before yes. we go on, I'm yes, going to read the synopsis here, everybody. I'm going to read this thing. Are you ready? Yes. A gadget salesman is looking for a special gift for his son and finds one at a store in Chinatown. The shopkeeper is reluctant to sell him the Mogwai, but sells it to him with the warning to never expose him to bright light, water, or feed him after midnight. All of this happens, and the results is a gang of gremlins that decide to tear up the town on Christmas Eve. Now, this is the synopsis that I grabbed from Google, and I'm like, there's a lot wrong about it, because, yes. first of all, the shopkeeper never sells him the mogwai. No, his grandson his does. His grandson does in the alley, like a drug deal. Yeah, but if he didn't want him to ha to buy the Mogwai, or he didn't want anyone to buy it for that matter, why has he got it out for people to see? Yeah, and why was he so eager for Mr. Peltzer to see that yeah, gremlin? Right? Right. Maybe it was um, for that lesson at the end of the movie that he teaches the audience. I don't know. Yeah, we, we Maybe know, we'll never know. Maybe he wanted this all to happen. It was all part of the master plan. Right. He was like and, Thanos uh, in that way. Right. 
setting things in motion. What a jerk. What a jerk. So, um... For realsies. I guess they're just doing it to throw everybody off, because that was not what that was, you know, what was going on with that situation. Yes. It's true. Yeah. So, um... One of the craziest things that uh, we found out was it was released on the exact same day as another one of our favorite movies, Ghostbusters. Oh, man, and we haven't even talked about that yet. Right, right. Same day. Surprisingly, yeah, same day. And it almost, and it came in a close second to Ghostbusters in earnings, uh, specifically in New York City. Because everybody was so furious about the traffic that disrupted New York while Ghostbusters were being filmed uh-huh. that they went and saw Gremlins instead. <laughs> they didn't want to support that. Heck yeah. Yep. We're going to go watch this movie because we're angry. That's the way to do it. That's how you watch movies out of spite. Y- yes. They're, they're, and... best, they're best viewed out of spite. Well, in this one, like, it definitely feels like it could be in the same world as Ghostbusters. Yes. Like it was a slice of life out of two different parts of the same world. Sure. You know I what I mean? Totally, I could see that definitely. Yeah. I, that's that's what I took from it. I was like, crap, that, that fits so well that they're released at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So Gremlin was a word that was made popular by Roald Dahl. Um, he wrote a book called Gremlin Lore that we actually almost got a movie from um, about little elves that were said to cause unexplained damage to the Royal Air Force planes, but it was never made. Those are true stories, by the way. This is something that we'll have to get to in our other podcast that deals with paranormal activities and things of that sort, which we need to start. Yes. But one podcast at a time. Gremlins are real, though. World War Two. They were all over those airplanes. Gremlins, Foo Fighters, holy cow. So They're cool. All, all right. So cool. Yeah. So um, originally, the Columbus uh, script intrigued Steven Spielberg so much that he wanted to start working on it right away. And the first person he looked at to direct it was Tim Burton. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, right? I could totally see Tim Burton directing this movie. Right. It's, it's not just hard, dark it's enough. It's not hard to imagine. But I'm also curious of what things would have looked like, you know, the creature designs that would have come out of his mind in regards to this, how they would right. have been brought to life. I mean, this was around the time he did... What What year did he do uh, Pee-wee? Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which is another one we have to do because I still love that movie. Pee-wee. It was 1985, so it was oh, a year so later. Oh, so he did it a year later. So had he yeah. done that first and had a feature film under his belt, Spielberg probably would have been like, yeah, he's in. Oh, absolutely. But I would have. In the end, I'm happy with, with Joe Dante. I do want to say one thing, though, about What's that? Uh, possible directors. This is kind of like a what if, right? One of my favorite scenes in this movie is the mom in the kitchen when she's being attacked by the gremlins. Yes. Like, this scene is thrilling. It's edge of your seat. It's action-packed. It's gross. I mean, she puts one of the gremlins in the microwave and blows it up. 
Uh, she, right. I love how she grabs one knife and then goes to grab a second knife. <laughs> right. To go to go fight him, like she's ready to throw down with these these little monsters, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I just love the energy of it. And as I was watching it this time, I was thinking, man, because Sam Raimi is so good at directing those kinds of scenes. And I'm right. like, dude, I would love to see what a Sam Raimi version of this movie would be. <laughs> that dude, that that made my heart stop a little bit. That was a that was crazy. Yeah, he would do an insane job. Because I'm watching that scene and I'm like, I could see a shot. A Sam Raimi style, style shot with this that he's doing here. Like I, I was just imagining it play out differently in a Sam Raimi uh, s- scenario type style. I don't know. Right. Well, the cool thing, like I love that you mentioned that specific scene because that scene was almost a little bit gorier. Oh. It was. It was almost a little bit more intense. Yeah. So in that scene, she, this was cut from it it was going to be just about 30 seconds longer uh-huh. she stabs that gremlin to death right in the tree in the christmas in, tree no the the one that's in the kitchen oh okay, okay. A, she, she stabs a gremlin to death in the original cut of it the gremlin gets up when she turns around and pulls the knife out of himself and goes to attack her again as she's fighting off the other gremlin holy um, crap there's yeah, there's still a little evidence of that. If you look at the scene, if you watch the scene, he's still standing behind her holding the knife. Like wow. you can see it. So, like I said before, man, reading up on this, this this was going to be such a bloody movie. But I I remember hearing somewhere or reading somewhere that it was originally going to be uh rated R. Rated R. Yeah. It was uh that and Temple of Doom were both going to be rated R and they wanted those both to be family-friendly movies, so they cut out certain things. And some of the stuff we're going to talk about, you're going to be like, yes, this would not be PG-13 had they left that in. And correct me if I'm wrong, Billy, I'm trying to find this, and I I remember reading it somewhere. I don't know if it was in your notes or not, but if it's not, please let me know if it's wrong. Did the gremlins cut the mom's head off? Yes, they they were originally supposed to kill her and cut her head off and throw it down throw the it stairs. Throw it down the stairs. Yeah. Billy. Yep. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. yeah, I was like I was like I know I saw that somewhere. I didn't know where I saw that from and I couldn't find it in the notes, but so that was that was a thing that was going to See, guys, see what we're talking about here? Wow. Yeah. She was going to get her freaking head cut off and thrown down the stairs at her son. Luckily, they, they cut that out, because I think, yeah, that would have... At the time that I watched it, it would have freaked me out to the point of, I'll never watch this again. But yeah, both her head comes off and the dog dies in the original cut. Oh, man, the dog. See, yeah, audience was would have been more freaked out about the dog than the mom. <laughs> right. If, if, if Bernie died, I think there would have been a revolt. <laughs> I think people would have taken taken to the streets on this one. But yeah, so um, God, that's so crazy though. I can't, I can't even imagine. I mean, I can't imagine this movie being rated R. It's already pretty dark as it is, but taking right. it to that next level is pretty insane. It, yeah, I mean, they talk about some stuff that uh, Christopher Columbus, uh, 
Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus. Chris Sailed Columbus. Sailed the ocean blue in 1942. <laughs> Chris, Col- Chris Columbus's original one was way darker. And they apparently, they were like, no, nah, we got we to gotta scale this back. Because Joe Dante wanted it to be a, a family-friendly film. So, yeah. That makes sense. A, yeah. fa- a family-friendly film. Let's talk yeah. about suicide, shall we? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh man, but I, and that's the thing is, um, they left in a lot that I was like, that makes me make it like the cringe face, like, hey. but yeah, still PG thirteen, man. I'm, <laughs> I mean, crazy, right? So, to today, the three people, the three main conspirators behind this movie, Chris Columbus, Joe Dante, and Steven Spielberg. If you heard that. Today, a movie is coming out with all three of them involved. You would shit your pants, dude. Be it'd like, be oh, amazing. Yeah. It'd be this amazing, is, right? It would go viral online, social media. I mean, you didn't have that stuff back then, but yeah, yeah. It would. It have been like everybody would be like, "Here it comes." This is. It's like the Avengers, only in movie making. Yeah. So when Joe Dante, he was down to his last bucks, his last few dollars from the Howling. Okay. Like he's running running low on cash. Just at that time, he gets this script from Steven Spielberg. And originally he thought it was sent to the wrong house. Okay. He was like, there's no way Steven Spielberg wants me to do this. But what he didn't know is that Steven Spielberg, when he watched the the howling, he you know, Chris Columbus wrote it and he was like this is the guy. This guy's got the chops to make this not only scary, but funny and make you love these characters. Yeah, Dante has that good mix of humor and drama and horror. He can put all he can throw all that juggle that stuff really well in his films. Right. Well, unfortunately, this is the only movie that the three of them are working on. But Mr. Spielberg and Mr. Columbus went on to do Many other things together, including the Goonies, the Goonies and Young yeah. Sherlock. Yep, Young Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I love Young Sherlock Holmes. Yep. It's on the list. <laughs> it's on the list. But um, the cool thing about it is, is if you watch Gremlins in the very first scene where Billy's running across the town square, yeah. do you recognize that place? I, you know, I just saw it as like a snowy town. Like I, I didn't really recognize what it was. I'm... But I mean, they film lots of movies in a lot of different locations, and a lot of studio lots have the same thing, right? But no, I didn't. I didn't notice what it, what it was. If you look closely, this is the movie that was filmed just before Back to the Future. The clock towers there, the library, oh, really? everything. That's the Back to the Future set. I did wasn't even paying attention when I watched it. That's awesome. It's crazy, huh? And the reason why he. Dante stylized it like that to make it look like the small town is because he wanted to look like it's a wonderful life. Of course he did. Of course he did. Because it takes you to this safe place and then tears it apart. Tears it apart. I mean, there's such, I mean, there's such great throwbacks to a lot of great movies in this. Like, cause you get to see, uh, Miss Deagle is a lot like the, the wicked witch in wizard of Oz. They even kind of play a distorted version of that music when she's walking around with the snowman head. Yep. And she wants to kill Billy's dog. Nah, that was the most disturbing part. It's like you haven't got that little dog under there again, have you? It's like, <laughs> no. 
You better Ooh. keep that thing locked away, because when I see it, I'm going to murder your dog. <laughs> I'm going to throw it in the dryer and put it on high heat. And the guy next to her, Mr. Anderson, yep, that would do it. Yeah. <laughs> Evil lady. She gets hers, though. Oh, oh she, she gets she. hers so good. Oh, man. So <laughs> that made me scared of those chairs, man. The chairs that go, the electric chairs that go up yeah, and down. Yeah, they go up the stairs. Yeah, yeah. I was like, nope. That thing's going to freak out and spit me out. You know, no, I've never you. seen one of those in real life. Me either, but I've, I wouldn't. I've never seen uh, one of those chairs that takes old people up and down the stairs <laughs> in real life. I've only seen them in movies. Right. But if I ever saw one in real life, I'd be We're like, not doing it. Gremlins. <laughs> Seriously. And then, so crazy. I. I liked the really subtle nod of the pods that the gremlins are in. The subtle nod? Uh, I was hoping you'd get the sarcasm in that. <laughs> of the eggs from aliens. So, yeah. 100%. Joey knows this about me. I have this thing where if I see things in other movies, I'm automatically, I automatically think everything's connected. Like, everything. Well, so not our own... you got to... And I thought about that too this time around. I'm like, oh man, gremlins are totally from outer space. They're obviously totally. aliens. There's there's right. no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Gremlins are aliens that right. have come down to this planet and the old man is trying to keep them at bay. Right. He knows the rules. The ridiculous, ridiculous rules. That no one can seem to follow. No, nobody. It's going to... They're going to break him anyway, and he knows that. Maybe he's trying to bring on the destruction of the world. That's what I'm saying, dude. He's Thanos. I said it earlier. Yep. He's, he wants to see if the town can survive. If they can, he'll take them back. Yeah. But if you can't, you're toast. Then he gives that, he, even back to the Twilight Zone, he gives that little Rod Serling message at the end of the movie. Absolutely. Yep. Man, now we know what happened to the lost town of Roanoke, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. 100%. They just they couldn't make it through the Gremlin Revolution. <laughs> yep. So we know Billy. Billy's the main character. Zach Galligan plays Billy in it. But you know they originally auditioned Judd Nelson and Emilio Estevez. Fantastic. Let's do it. Let's right? cast them in the movie. If we make a new one, they're cast as Billy. Like both of them at the same time. <laughs> They'll just show up in different scenes. Yes. But and the same character. Same character, and we'll never say why. That's awesome. Yeah. No, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, he beat them out for the role, which they were pretty big stars at the time. So yeah, they were they were they were decent. They were they're they were they're up and coming. Yep, they were yep. well known. Zach was kind of uh, unknown though at the time. Wasn't this he? this was his first film. Yeah. Oh yeah, first it's, thing it's, he was ever in. Okay. So Spielberg, Crazy, right? Spielberg has an eye for people he likes to cast, especially young people. And I guess Zach just had what Spielberg was looking for, that uh, that charm, that, that innocent spark in his eye, right? Right, right. Well, and what it came down to is that it was the chemistry between him and Phoebe Cates. Okay. Is what got him the job. He oh, said right. they they just felt comfortable with each other from the the start and he said after they did their uh their audition zach laid his head on phoebe cates's shoulder and he said oh my god look at that they're in love he's in love with her already i don't even need to see anything else and hired him right there that's awesome yeah i mean that's and it's really cool 
But there was some controversy about hiring Phoebe Cates. You know what that controversy was? I don't. What's up? What happened? The movie she did before Gremlins was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So what? So the Warner Brother execs, the Warner Brother execs didn't think she held, um, she was wholesome enough to play this character. Well, but she, she was, got it. She was great in the role. She I, was. I love Phoebe Cates. We all love Phoebe Cates. She was great, and her character is interesting too. In a lot of different ways. But one thing I'm just going to point out before we get into some other things. When she's in the bar and she's serving the gremlins, Mm -hmm. why is she serving the gremlins? Right. Why is she just like like rushing around like she's actually still working and getting paid for this? Right. (laughs) And and making sure like everyone, all of them get their drinks and they're all happy. And I'm like... Why didn't she run the hell out of that? Like, why didn't she just get the hell out of there and run? Well, it comes to... All right. I didn't realize it until I was doing the notes for this. Okay. All right. And I was thinking... I always thought the same thing. It's like, A, they're not killing her. No. They're they're, letting her serve them. Yeah. And then I was doing the research on this, and one of the... Okay, so this is... One of the studio notes to director Joe Dante and Spielberg on seeing the first cut of the film, the the execs said there's too many gremlins. Okay. 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 So the the guy who the the guy who ran the workshop that built all of the gremlins, right? Yes. His name was uh, Chris Wallace. At first, he didn't really get this. He was like, he goes, he didn't understand what this was supposed to mean if it had a deeper meaning or if it was just like a horror fest. And he said he realized when the gremlins did the, the caroling out in front. Yes. And once they're all dressed in human clothing and all that, he fi- it snapped. He's like, oh, the gremlins are parodies of people. The worst people out there. Like the people that we hate, the people that are constantly okay. obnoxious. Okay. So when I read that, I was like, oh, so they're self-serving. She's helping. She's doing what they want. So they're not going to hurt her. And somehow she picked up on that and just started doing it so she could walk out of that bar alive. Oh, okay. That makes sense. But I still, I don't know. I'm sure she would have had a back door to go out of anyway when they started go- coming in. But You would think so. You would think so. But, but she's got balls. Okay. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll she's take, tough. I'll take that explanation. Yeah. See? Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. <laughs> yeah, so with all of that, you know, we'll go back to casting for a second. With all of that, uh, Steven Spielberg, like, oh, perfect, perfect. Do you know Phoebe Cates doesn't even remember auditioning with Zach Galligan? She doesn't? Not even a little bit. Wow, that's got to hurt, Zach. Yeah. It's got to hurt some feelings, I think. Yeah, and Zach Galligan gets to kiss the most beautiful woman of the time. And Phoebe Kate said it was like kissing her brother. Oh. Ouch. Yeah. That hurts. Oh, that hurts so bad. Yeah. That makes me sad for Zach. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, it, it couldn't be his fault. So he blames it on he was nervous because Steven Spielberg visited the set that day. Mm. 
And he's like, Spielberg was there. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, poor Zach. Yeah. That's you know? that's wild. Yeah. Um, have you ever thought about why Billy is best friends with a 13-year-old in the movie? Uh, no. Just because it just... Maybe he's just like the kid that always came over, you know, the next door kid. No matter right. what the age would have been, the next door kid just like shows up and and just hangs out and overstays his welcome all the time. I just there's kids like that, so it, I just assumed that was the type that, of that kid was his thing. Yeah, that was his thing. Yeah, but is there well, another reason? Yeah, uh, Corey Feldman was the first person cast in this whole movie. Of course he was. Yeah, of course he was. Yeah, and to Spielberg, that's a great idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Frances Lee McCain, the lady who plays Billy's mom. Okay. And also plays uh, the mom in Back to the Future. Yes. As Lorraine's mom. Yep. So she just basically lived on that lot for a couple sure. of years. Yeah. Yeah, she loved doing the film, but she did not enjoy Corey Feldman. She worked with him both in this and Stand By Me, and she... Oh, she's just, in Stand By Me. That's right. Yep. Wow. Okay. Apparently, he just annoyed the shit out of her. Well. Can't be for everybody, right? You know, Corey Feldman comes off as the type of kid that would annoy a lot of people, it seems like, back in the day. Right. Child actors. You know, let me talk about child actors for a minute. <laughs> this coming from the guy that was in the Nintendo commercials <laughs> and some episodes of Felicity. Well, I used to do... Uh, I, before all that, like I used to, when I was younger, I used to go to these acting classes and mm. I hung out with child, like, like child actors. Right. And the child actors as a child are kind of what turned me off of acting because mm -hmm. of how freaking crazy they were. Like, I've never seen such spoiled. I mean, and I'm not talking, I'm not saying this is Corey Feldman. I'm not saying this about any particular actor. But in this acting class I was in when I was like 11, 12 years old, these kids were the most spoiled kids that I had ever come across in my life. And, right. and I'm just like, this isn't, I'm not, I'm not like this. Like, this isn't my scene. <laughs> right. I went to a few of them. Things got super weird. Like super weird when that like when they're all of a sudden there's like more adults than kids at these acting classes <sighs> yes i remember those days and i was like i'm over i'm i can't like this is too crazy for me i don't know what's happening i don't know why no. i'm talking about this hmm well we got on the child actors yeah okay we're getting off of them now all right let's go back go back all right back <laughs> Um, so this was actually kind of a, um, like a give me for Corey Feldman from Steven Spielberg. Cause he originally had cast him in ET to be Elliot's best friend. Okay. But they cut that storyline completely. Yes, they did. So the next time he had an available spot to put Corey Feldman, he put him in gremlins, which they're basically, he's basically playing the same role. He's the best friend of the guy who yep. gets an alien type creature and has to help solve all the problems. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Dante at the time was quoted as saying, Corey Feldman was at this point, before he was a teenage kid, 
when he was just a pubescent kid, he was actually one of the best child actors in Hollywood. Sure. So he says that during the, the comments section, or like in the, the commentary, if you're watching the movie and you're, Joe Dante's talking over your yeah. movie, immediately after he says that, uh, you hear Corey Feldman go, what happened in the movie? He's asking Billy what happened. So it was kind of, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Like, yeah. But um, so in the original script, Pete was killed. Uh, he would be eaten alive by the gremlins and, while a group of terror. And Pete is Corey Feldman's character, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, Pete is Corey Feldman's character. He gets killed. He gets eaten alive by the gremlins. So the mom dies and then Pete dies. This is great. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. And the dog. And the dog dies. And, and the dog dies. I want to see this alternate version of the movie. I really do. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I can handle it, man. Go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. No, the only reason that, that uh, part of that scene is the characters uh, that are the carolers drown out his screams so nobody knows what happens Dude, to I him. Dude, I love that. That's right? such a great little detail. That's fantastic. Yep. Yep. Let's do that. Uh, but the eventual fate of Pete, who is Corey Feldman, is he? It's never revealed in the movie, but in the novelization, they put it in there because this was a part of the script. Is he was deeply saddened by the death of Mister Hansen, who's who was their teacher. Okay, he brought the brought the gremlin yeah. into him yeah. so he can investigate it. Yeah, he blamed himself for Mister Hansen dying, so he runs away and is never heard from again. Whoa, what? Yeah, that's his. That's his fate. That's his fate. Yeah, in the in the this movie, thirteen-year-old kid. Yep. Gets so beaten down, so racked by with guilt. guilt that he yep. runs away and is never heard of again. Yes. Whoa, that's right. Deep and dark. I'm I'm kind of glad they didn't put that in there because that's yeah that's a lot. You know, with what they did put in there, Billy, uh-huh. I, they might as well have put all this other stuff in in there. Exactly, just the Santa Claus story alone. Oh, but real quick, you were talking yeah. about the age difference between Corey Feldman and Zach. And, yes. And you said like he was 13, but what was the reason why that the the, the age difference? Uh it was because apparently Zach was so good at his audition that they just they're taking many age ranges and oh, he was so good. So they, they just, so Spielberg at first was thinking of Casting someone younger. Yeah. Ah, I see. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Cool. But then they change the script, and it ends up he works at the bank and blah, blah, blah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, he was originally going to be a a younger kid who had like this, because he draws in the movie, so it was like a kid with aspirations to be an artist and a uh, comic maker and all that. Sweet. So they just molded that over to an adult. But Pete ran away from home. Man, that's crazy. Okay. He ran away from home and... Joined a gang of three other kids, and they went to go see a dead body. Yeah, it took, got a time machine. Went back to the fifties. Right. <laughs> yep. So crazy. Yeah. All right. So Joe Dante was the one who fought for Hoyt Axton, who is uh, Billy Peltzer's dad, for the role because he was so great in um, the Black Stallion that he was like, "Man, I got to get him in here." He's just a good dad type. He is a, a good, good dad. father figure character, right? Yeah. And the voice, man. He had the voice this is... deep voice. Where right. Yeah, I can't even pretend to do it. But no, no. I'm, this is my dad voice. 
nice. So the, the the best part about this is that he followed the script, but uh, almost all of his lines are improvised in that movie. Oh, crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, he stays on point, but yeah, he it's pretty much his own stuff. Yeah, you can tell that he kind of goes off script. Just his style is very different than anything else that is happening. He's a very different character in this world than everybody else. And he's yeah. so oblivious to anything else that's going on. You know what I mean? I was so thankful that he was at that uh, that expo during this whole all the I mean, shenanigans. And he comes home and his wife's been decapitated by a gremlin, and <laughs> everything just goes to hell. Like <laughs> the kid next door was. I just want like he comes home though, and he's still like this jolly fatherly guy. But like if if Pete would have died, if his wife would have died, I wondering what would have happened when he did come home from the thing. Like. <laughs> Right. It'd be a very different homecoming for sure. <laughs> a very different reaction. Oh man. But yeah, I but still I'm, love, sure, I'm glad but, he didn't die. But then at the same time I still can't help but think he'd probably still find some jokes to make about it. Or one of his uh Have one that, of his gadgets would save him from yeah, exactly. being killed. He'd take yeah. a time machine back, right? And then right. say his time machine, he'd take that back and then he'd he'd prevent it from happening. There's a there's a movie right there. There you go. Uh, it's really crazy you say that because in the scene where he's at the expo and he calls home, um, yes, there's the time machine the is behind the him. The time machine's behind him, yep. and then he it cuts close to him, and then when it pulls back, it's gone. <laughs> I love that so much. It's such a small detail if you're not paying attention, dude. But... It's one of my favorite parts of the movie yes. because no one like no one notices that crap. Like it's right. it's such a small background detail that you don't catch unless you're paying attention. But yeah, I love that the time machine is there one second and then gone the next. Like right? it works. It works exactly. Ah <laughs> oh, man, just imagine if it's like one of the expo goers that is off on the time machine freaking out somewhere yes oh man so joe dante's favorite actor in the whole movie was mushroom mushroom was the dog that played barney in the movie and that's why he decided not to kill him right because he, he loved in love dog. with the dog yep but like not only him but even zach galligan said that he it, it was like he was a person on the set hmm. joe dante is quoted as saying he was the all-purpose cutaway because if Barney is in the scene and Joe, Joe doesn't know what to do, he cuts to Mushroom and Mushroom has a priceless facial expression that'll sell the scene. That's great. Highlights include looking worried and offended when Mrs. Deagle is threatening to kill him, looking curious when Gizmo first appears, and looking frightened. He said he even liked when he moves in sync with Gizmo, Gizmo's puppet and in all the shots. Yeah. Like they came to find out that he thought Gizmo was a real creature and he treated him like he was his friend. So that I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that originally Stripe and Gizmo were the same character? I remember hearing something about that before, but I don't know any details. Steven Spielberg was the one who insisted that there be a good guy and a bad guy in this and Dante says he the decision was the reason why the film was like so fondly remembered. Oh, I, it, makes, I think, it makes sense to have a good gremlin and a bad gremlin. I mean, the dynamic there was great, and you don't want to make Gizmo this cute little thing the bad, 
the villain of the story. Like Absolutely. you want get you want to you need that that character there to like ground you in cuteness, you know, like Right. With all this evil stuff going on, whenever yeah. it cuts to Gizmo and his facial expressions, you're just like you just melts your heart. Right. Even when he's terrified. That look on his face when he's terrified is so adorable. It melts your heart. Exactly. Yeah. So Gizmo is a mogwai, which I thought was a made-up word. And then I found out that it means devil, demon, or gremlin in Cantonese. Yes. So yes. true. So, so it's not, true. It's not just a made-up word. It's not jerks. a made-up word. It's not a made-up word. Yep. So when they finished the movie, they showed it to the executives, and they gave Dante and Spielberg a note that said there was too many gremlins. Yeah. You were saying that earlier. Yeah. Well, Spielberg suggested that cutting them out of cutting them all out of the film and calling it people, just get rid of them all. <laughs> That's what he told the studio executives. That was his note back to them. Yes. That's Let's amazing. cut them all out and call it people. You know, it's studios. The executives are so weird when it comes to making creative decisions. I don't know how studio executives get their jobs because a lot of the decisions that they make, and you hear about a lot of these even today where it's like they are living off of brain farts. <laughs> I wish we could call this episode living off of brain farts. <laughs> it's the best thing I've heard today. I mean, but seriously, though, like, I don't know where executives, like, they're not creative people. They're, mm -hmm. they're executive. They're called executives for a reason. I just, I don't understand how they can make some of these awful d decisions with with movies and stuff. Right. And they continue to do it. It's, right. it's not just back then. It still happens. Studios, for some reason, these executives that are in charge of things, think they know things, and they know nothings. <sighs> nothings. I'm going to use that in my vocabulary now. Like, you know nothings. These people get paid millions of dollars for to screw things up their brain fart ideas right absolutely so we should be those people we should be yeah i have so many brain fart ideas i should be a millionaire too so right there i, I agree anyway back and to the movie back to the movie so we got these cute little like you're saying the, the gizmo was cute but their first idea was to use a monkey with a gremlin mask on for the movie to give it a more animalistic kind of feel. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So um, Chris Wallace, the, the guy who does all the puppets, that made all the puppets, um, I'm glad they he wanted the, to use stop motion. I'm glad they put the kibosh on the monkey idea. Oh, just wait. Oh no! This gets this gets good. Okay, go. So go. So, Chris Wallace wanted to do stop motion. They wanted the execs wanted to do monkeys. So the executives, the studios, the executives wanted to do the monkeys. Of course, they did. Of course, yes. they did. They're so smart. Those executives, so smart. So what they did is they took a spider monkey, and in Joe Dante's office, put a mask of a gremlin on the monkey. Uh, <laughs> The thing panicked 
uh, went crazy, started tearing the office apart and defecating everywhere. And then Dante screamed at the trainer to get the animal and asked Wallace, so puppets? So yeah, they went, they went puppets after that. Yes, it is the smart move to not use monkeys. No, no. That would have been a nightmare. Could you imagine? Oh my goodness. Trying to film, like, getting. <laughs> I can't get, even think about that. Just getting at least 10 monkeys in the same room together and trying to shoot something. <laughs> well, yeah, there's no way they could have done some of those scenes. There's no way. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it, it's bonkers. Executives. Yeah. <sighs> There you go. Monkeys. Let's have monkeys. Ugh. But yeah, These people so, are still working in Hollywood. And they are, and they're making millions of dollars. Yes. Okay, go ahead. So at one point, uh, Chris Wallace, the guy who's designing them, uh, was not a big fan of Steven Spielberg because he kept changing the design of Gizmo okay. throughout the, the making process. Okay. It was over little things like... You know, first they were all full of hair, and then he wanted the hair a different color, and he wanted no hair on the ears. And all in all, it was... You've got to go in- through multiple designs, though, to figure out what you're going to really want. Yep. So that's... that. It's understandable. I mean, it's understandable from a creative point that it's like... I mean, when you do something, you create these things, you do go through multiple... Oh, multiple. ...designs, character designs, until you find the one that you're like, yes, that is the one. So, I'm sorry, Chris, but I'm on Spielberg's side on this. Right. One cool little detail about his coloring is that uh, Spielberg put that white patch of fur around his right eye. Yeah. And and that was like a tribute to one of his dogs that he had. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, poor Chris Wallace had to make these like little... There was no CGI in this movie. Yeah. They're all practical puppets. Yeah, well, CGI was like... Tron back then, so there's right. there's nothing they were gonna be able to do with this. <laughs> no, so they made all of these animatronics, and they each cost between thirty and forty thousand dollars for each gremlin. Each gremlin. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So Zach Galligan said that when everyone left the lot for the day, security would have everyone open the trunks of their cars. And their bags to make sure that no gremlin was stolen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, crazy. Because they're animatronics, you know, you've been to Disneyland when one of the animatronics goes crazy. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I was riding the Little Mermaid ride one time and Ursula's head came off and just dangled there. It scared the crap out of my kids. Amazing. But it's the one thing they remember and they laugh about it now. Heck, yeah, they're they like, do. That's, that's awesome. That's, so that needs to uh, happen the, more often. Yeah, least, just on those Disneyland rides. Yeah, heads, heads just falling, falling off. off. There's a lot of heads falling off in this episode today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Moms, yeah, Ursula. Yeah. Monkeys with gizmo heads on. It's crazy. <laughs> but uh, so the gizmo uh, animatronic they had, it was frustrating because it was smaller and it broke down all the time. Sure, of course it did. Yep. So it's '80s animatronic technology. Absolutely. So Joe Dante to satisfy the crew. There's an, a scene where Gizmo is hanging on the the dartboard, and the gremlins are throwing darts at him. Yeah. That was included on a list that the crew had created, known as 
the horrible things to do to Gizmo list. <laughs> so to appease them, he put that in the movie. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. And at one, pro- one point, the, the animatronics were so busted that a whole night scene was delayed and everybody just slept. They got paid to be on the set and sleep. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, it was uh, it was really cool. So to go with this, do you know why the rule no bright lights was made for the gremlins? Like no bright lights? Like, like on, bright light on will set? kill them. Oh, okay. No. The, oh, yeah. okay. Rule number one. Yeah. Bright don't light. expose them. It's a bright light. Um, yeah. It's an old sci-fi trick. Because they're all animatronics, they kept the lights low so that you couldn't see like the servos or the wires that were going into the puppet. Uh, so it was all rule number one was just camouflage. Yes. Yes. Yep. That and, makes uh, sense. Yeah. And then rule number two, or sorry, rule number three. Rule number two is don't get them wet. Yes. But rule number three don't feed after midnight. Yes. Have you ever have you ever thought about that? Don't feed them after midnight. When can you start feeding them then? Oh my gosh. They, they never say. Wow. When can they start eating? Is it daylight? They never say. They never say. Yeah. Cuz it's midnight, it's after midnight all the time. All over the world. Yeah, somewhere it's after midnight. Oh, that's wild. Okay, my mind just right? kind of melted. I like it. S- Sorry, buddy. I don't even know what to say. Right? But does the chicken scene ever gross you out? Dude, I was just going to bring up the freaking chicken scene, dude. First of all, first of all, when he goes to the fridge to pull out the chicken, when he when I that chicken in itself before they even start eating looks so gross. I'm like, right. "Oh, that is the worst-looking chicken I've ever seen in my life." That's Ugh. nasty. It's so nasty. The chicken, and, yes, the chicken. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on in there. Is that their saliva that's so stringy and coming off of, or is it snot? It's gotta be. It's gotta be a mixture of everything: saliva, snot, chicken goo. I, you name it. That's what uh, it's, it is. It's raw chicken. Uh, why did he? Why? Why is he wait, giving them raw? chicken? Is it raw? Yeah, look at it. It's completely raw. I thought it just looked like terribly cooked fried chicken. <laughs> no. It, well, I mean, I was watching it this time, and we had a big discussion about it. It, it That stuff is raw. I There's, thought it was fried chicken, but just like gross fried chicken. Maybe it just grossed like me out so white, much I think it's raw. Like white, gross fried chicken. Yeah. Ugh. Why is it white? Why is fried chicken white? <laughs> I don't know. That's like, what always like turned me off about the chicken. Maybe you know it wasn't chicken, fried yet. You know Maybe what chicken's good, pre- though? The chicken from Masters of the Universe. That's some good-looking chicken right there. That chicken looks amazing. Oh, when Gwildor's eating it and oh, eating yeah. the ribs. Yeah. 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 I'm all about that. And why aren't there any chicken places that also sell ribs? Like, Dude, I say that all the time. Why can't we go to, like, Popeye's or Church's Chicken or Kentucky Fried Chicken and get some ribs with our chicken? Damn it. You know where we could get it? Where? Dick's Last Resort. Yeah, but that was like a restaurant. I'm talking about like to-go fast food stuff. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. They, had, they, they ran with the idea, but they, they sucked. It was horrible. It was gross, gross food. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about the, uh, talked about the gross chicken. 
The you want to talk about the other the grossest chicken ever? Grossest, like no one would want to touch that. You want to talk about the other disturbing part of the movie? Yes, let's talk about the other disturbing part of the movie. The Santa speech. So they make fun of it in the second one, but I don't know about you, but when I first heard her tell that story, it freaked me out. You know, it's something that's seared into my mind since I first saw the movie as a kid because she's telling the story of her father and how he disappeared one night. No one knows where he went, and then the smell started coming out of the chimney, and they thought it was a dead animal. And then when they go up to pull the dead animal out, it turns out that it is her father who climbed down the chimney with gifts to surprise him on Christmas. He fell, broke his neck. He slipped and broke his neck and then got stuck in the chimney. And that's why she hates Christmas. And it's totally understandable of why she hates Christmas. But what a terrible nightmarish story that is. Like, that is, like, dark. That is, holy crap. Like, man, like, it is the worst possible thing that could happen to a kid on Christmas. It is the absolute worst, one of the worst things that could happen. Right. The worst and, and, and the, it's in the midst of all of this craziness going on. And I'm, and I'm sorry. And, uh-huh. But, like, you know, no disrespect to people who are crawling down chimneys. But who the hell is crawling down chimneys? <laughs> right. What makes you think, hey, I'm small enough to fit in there? That seems like a horrible idea. Horrible. Right. The worst idea ever. Like, you don't need to crawl down a chimney. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You want to know something funny? Go for it. Cheer me up. The those executives that we're talking about? Yes. Insisted that that be removed from the movie. They insisted that be removed? Yeah, cuz they said it it was it was too ambiguous. It wasn't was it supposed to be funny? Was it supposed to be sad? But Dante was like, "No. The scene is staying. It it represented this the movie as a whole, which is a combination of horrific and comedic elements no and it adds to the it, it fits what the movie is right but it is dark it's dark and even uh you can tell that story but you know you can't kill anybody on right. screen i guess but yeah that 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 story though yeah that that's one of those things that kind of like really made me think as a kid like really like kind of freaked me out like like, oh my gosh, this girl's dad died on Christmas Eve trying to go down a ch- chimney? Like, that stuck with me. Right. It stuck. I, anybody who's seen the movie knows the Santa speech. Everybody sure. knows. Oh, yeah. Because there's no way around it. Even Spielberg hated it. He wanted it out of the film. But Really? Dante really fought for it that hard, huh? Yep. That even, like, yep. even gave Spielberg the finger and was like, nah, I'm keeping it. Well, Spielberg pretty much said, hey, this is your movie if you want to keep it in there. Because Spielberg had ultimate creative control. He could have canned that in a second, but he sure. he didn't want to pull the rug out from under um, Joe Dante, so he let him keep it in. Okay. And I think it's necessary. I, I, like, I don't want to be morbid or anything, but that speech, even though all that craziness is going on around him, I, like, it could always be worse. Like, 
It could always you could be, be in worse. the midst of craziness, but it yeah. could be worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's over when you're a kid and you're hearing that. I'm glad my kids haven't really caught on to what she's saying. At I don't that know point. how they can't catch on, man. I caught on to that thing like when I first saw it, and that just like it kind of never let go. Well, Jesse did say once he was like, "Well, I'm glad we don't have a chimney, so you don't try that." <laughs> yeah. So apparently, I'm that kind of guy that would try doing that trick. Damn it, Billy! Stop yeah, going down the chimney. <sighs> But yeah, so um, there's a really famous person in this movie that is never seen once. That is, and they're in the movie. They're heard in the movie throughout the whole movie. Okay, it's Howie Mandel. He's the voice of Gizmo. Howie Mandel. Yes, I knew that. I didn't know that. Yep. I didn't know if that's who you were talking about. But yes. Not only did he do the the snippets of the sounds and stuff like that, but for the only like two or three lines that Gizmo says, he phonetically dubbed the lines in foreign languages so that the voice never changed. Well, he never, there wasn't a lot of dialogue for him to dub. No, he says bye-bye, woof-woof. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So whatever that's equivalent in. Bye-bye, Yep. Yep, so that was it. But yeah, he made all the noises. He He was the voice guy. Okay. Yeah. The budget for Gremlins was only $11 million. Not bad. Today we say only. Back then it was a lot. Not bad. Most of that money went to building Gremlins, apparently. Yep. Um, it ended up being the fourth biggest grossing film in 1984. It ended up earning $148 million domestically. Not bad. Not, Not bad, bad at all. Not bad at all. Yep. So we were talking about Twilight Zone a little bit earlier. Yes. When they go, when you go up into Billy's room because he lives in the attic, you see a rolled up poster for the Twilight Zone. Nice. In the corner of the room. Yep. Cool. And uh, I, I just like those little nods. There's a lot of little nods to the sci-fi movie world throughout this movie. Oh, definitely. Really cool. Even the movies that uh, Billy's watching throughout the, the film when he's in his room and stuff. Right. His type. Yeah. He's He has a good taste in movies. He does. Uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That was pretty cool. You get... You know, you get a little Star Wars because the Gremlins are playing the Star Wars video game when they're in the bar. Of course, you see It's a Wonderful Life in there, and there's a lot of old sci-fi movies that are playing in the background of everything. But I just think it's cool that they're able to do all that, to to put all that imagery in there, and it's fun to catch it when you haven't noticed it before. No, it's fun to find those Easter eggs, definitely, especially after multiple viewings. And like, like knowing yeah, it, and knowing what all the creative people have done since then, and and the Easter eggs that are in there that kind of like inspired what ended up happening in the future, kind of cool. Right. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Um, let's see. Did you ever really think of why Judge Reinhold was in the movie? No. I mean, he he plays a supreme dickhead. Yes. He's really good at it. Yes. But in the earlier scripts. He had a whole relationship with the two main characters in the whole thing. Huh. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. The, the original script had Billy as more of a, like a typical nerd. You know, he goes around the town when everything starts going crazy with Kate, Phoebe Cates, and yep. Judge Reinhold, his bully turned emergency ally. And Judge Reinhold had a sword in it. He was helping Billy and Phoebe 
make it through this this whole thing. Nice. But they wanted to focus more on Gizmo as a hero, so they cut his whole whole scene out. And in sure. a, a deleted scene, Billy and Kate find him locked in the bank's safe, and he's gone crazy. <laughs> he, he drove himself insane. Awesome. Which I've seen, and it's a cool scene, but it wasn't necessary for the movie. Sure. But yeah, so I thought that, I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, why is this... At the time, he was a main actor, just only in it for, what, five minutes? Yeah. You know, a few little trashy lines, and that's it. So one of the other scenes that they had to cut because it was too gory is that it had the gremlins attack a McDonald's and start eating the people like they were hamburgers. Oh, man. We missed out on that, too? Yeah, we missed out on a lot of stuff, man. They they were going to town on this. Dang, I love that. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like how the fast food biz is now. You're just gonna you're eating junk. You we probably are eating people at fast food places now. If you think about it, I don't want to think about it. Those burgers probably are people. Let's be honest. (laughs) Oh man, Um, so you and I like to collect things. It's. It's fun to do, right? Yeah, it's it's fun and it's costly, but it happens. Do you know Joe Dante still owns the Peltzer Peeler Juicer? Yes. Yep. And after a while, he he was like, he listed it for sale to any devout movie prop collector. Okay. That also comes with an NFT proving that you have the actual juicer in your possession, <laughs> signed by Joe Dante. That's awesome. I love it. I like how he describes it. He's like, I've attached an NFT that will function as the juicer's certificate of authenticity because blockchain security, yada, yada, something, something, authenticated forever. <laughs> and that's exactly how he is. That's I love funny. that guy. That's awesome. Yeah. Just a couple other like little fun facts in this because we're, we're coming down to the end. We're almost done with our Gremlins post. Okay. But... So there's a couple of nods to E.T., and that's when he's running through the town in the very beginning. You see at the theater they're playing a show called A Boy's Life. Yes. That was, that was the fake name that E.T. was filmed under. Oh. And shipped to the theaters as is A Boy's Life. Awesome. Okay, I didn't know that. I like yep. that. And then, of course, one of, the, one of the gremlins says, phone home. You know. Yeah. And then, so Zach Galligan is kind of bitter because when they have, uh, when they filmed the scene of uh, Stripe getting his comeuppance when they when Gizmo opens up the shade and all the light comes in yes. and kills him. Yeah. Originally that scene was shot that both of them pulled down the shade to kill Stripe, but Spielberg believed Gizmo was the hero of the movie and just cut Billy out of the scene. Oh. Yeah. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Joe Dante was once asked, would you like to take a guess at to whose idea that was, cutting him out? And uh-huh. Joe Dante said, no, because I would like to work for him in the future. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, yeah. that, that end scene with Stripe dying is is uh, pretty horrific. It's a pretty, like, gruesome, hardcore, brutal scene yeah and it kind of reminded me of the scene from 
Raiders of the Lost Ark at the end yes, with the, the melting face faces melting. and stuff. Yes. And so I I liked it when I, I kind of noticed that. I'm like, oh, man, yeah, they, they threw in some of those melting those mel- melting Lost Ark effects on in there. But yeah, that yeah, was and- that was pretty creepy though. That yeah, that's, graphic. That yeah, super graphic for sure. Yeah, it's so that's actually one of the most dangerous scenes for the puppeteers was that scene because they had to have a fountain full of dry ice above a puppeteer who was functioning stripe while he was in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's gotta be gotta be a little creepy. It's seriously. Nobody wants a dry ice burn. Nope. They're the worst. Yeah. Um, I used to play with dry ice a lot. I've been burning. Oh really? Oh yeah. I used I used to blow things up with dry ice. I I don't I don't like that. <laughs> dry ice scares me. Yeah, I used to make dry yeah. ice bombs. <sighs> no, they're dry ice fireworks. We don't want to use the word bomb. <laughs> There was no fire involved, though, Billy. Oh, oh. <laughs> they Dry just exploded works. and set off car, car <laughs> alarms. Car, bleh, car alarms in oh, a four-block radius. Man, so with all of the malfunctions of Gizmo, yes, they really only wanted to keep him in the first half of the movie, like his movements and all that. Okay. So that's why we got the Gizmo in the car scenes. Is because it was easier to control him while he was in that car. And all you needed to do was see his limbs and his his arms and his face, and he was good. Okay, makes sense. That was kind of that was Spielberg's idea because he didn't want to break the break the animatronic. Ah, uh, yeah. So Murray Futterman, who's played by Joe Dante's Lucky Charm, Dick Miller. I love Dick Miller. He was killed during an encounter with a gremlin, but it was changed because the filmmakers found this a little harsh. Maybe, but too he many did die. Dying. He yeah. got he got run over by a snowplow. That's what we think, but in the end, during the news report at the end of the movie, you can hear Lou Landers say that he's going to talk to a Mister Futterman. At the hospital. Oh. Yeah. So he survived. So he survived. I, I totally missed that. How did I not? I missed that. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so Dick Miller's still alive. That's good to hear. Mr. I'm, happy, I'm yes. happy to hear that. Yeah, so from here on in, there's just a lot of little, little behind-the-scene cool stuff. Like when he's running through the, the town in the beginning. Yeah. He says... Hi to a Dr. Moreau. Of course he does. Which, yeah. Yeah, the uh, island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah, where experiments are done to humans and animals. Makes sense, yep. Yep. So at first, uh, there, was the, there was parts in the script that it was meant to be a parable warning against importing endangered species, which that's from, essentially what it is. From outer space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, because the studio feared it would alienate moviegoers. <laughs> yes. Sometimes uh, they think we're we're dumb. Yes. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I get it. And the front door of Mr. Wing's mysterious store, it has four symbols on it, and they roughly translate in English as gods and monsters. Oh, I love it. I'm going to get that yes. tattoo. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get that tattoo. That's my tattoo. 
the gods four emblems on mon- you. Yeah, four emblems that mean gods and monsters. Yes. There's two really cool things about this movie that really aren't that impressive, but to me, I thought it was cool. It's the first time we see the Amblin Entertainment logo. Okay, cool. In, in, in any movie. and Even E.T.? Yeah. Wow. It's the first time we see the logo. Wow. Like, wow. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Makes it original. I dig it. Yep. And Dante had to petition the studio to bring back the old classic Warner Brothers shield. Why is be... that? He just liked it. He, he just, just thought it was. He just liked it. Just yeah. like, we want to so do that. He... He okay. said, I want that at the beginning of this movie. Because it's not like the film was set in the 70s. No. It didn't have no. like a 70s type feel to it. You know, I know no. how movies do that sometimes where they go back to old lo- to, right. to the old logos because it fits the time period of the film that they're making. He, it just, in. he just liked the aesthetic he just of liked it. He just liked the aesthetic. That, okay. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's, let's do it. Let's do it, yeah. Dante. You got it. You got it. You got it, man. This, I put this one, I, I made this note specifically for you. Okay. Uh, the two swords hanging on the Peltzer's wall, you know, the one that keeps falling? Yes. Are the same pros- props used in the climactic battle between Buffy and Angel in the season two finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Are you serious? Yep. Is that real? Yeah, that's oh real. Oh my gosh, I have to I have to watch this. You have to go watch that. I have to watch it. Okay, I'm going to yeah. start rewatching Buffy now. Yeah. Oh, the musical. Buffy the Well, you get to see that in a couple months, man. I love Buffy the Musical. Yes, you do. I'm a huge fan of the Buffy musical. I'm still so, trying to get the Geek Tyrant crew to go to the Buffy musical panel with me at Comic-Con. Man, they play it so late on Sunday, it's man. so fun, though. Okay, guys. I have to make a six-hour drive after that. <laughs> but um, so in the scene where you see Stripe in with all the, the toys. Yes. And you get to see Sylvester and Bugs yep. Bunny. And Chris e. Wallace wanted, yeah, and E.T. He wanted Stripe to rip the sh- E.T. toy to pieces. Oh, Chris really didn't like Spielberg, huh? No, he just thought it would be funny. Like, no, because new... remember you were saying earlier he didn't like Spielberg because he kept make because Spielberg kept redesigning right Gizmo. And so this shows that Chris was so mad at Spielberg that he's like, I want it. I want the gremlins to take E.T. and just rip him apart because I can't stand Spielberg anymore. That's what right? he was really thinking. Yep. Wow. Um, but the studio wouldn't allow it. Of course they wouldn't. They, no way. They, they put the stop to that. No way. No way. They wouldn't do that. And this gets me, dude. I really want to see this, but uh, according to the director, Joe Dante, the original rough cut of the movie was... Two hours and 40 minutes. And it has all of those R-rated hardcore scenes in it, like the decapitated heads and Pete dying. No, I don't think it does, but... No. I don't think think those never made it past script phase. (laughs) Um, So you and I love Gremlins, but I hate it for one reason and one reason only. You hate Gremlins for one reason and one reason only? Okay, yes. what is that reason, Billy? Gizmo was the inspiration for the Furby. Yeah, well, of course. Now the we thing have that is, evil in our the lives. The thing is, it would have happened anyway. It would have happened anyway. You can't, <sighs> blame, you can't blame Gremlins for that. Gremlins came first. 
And then these toy executives came out mm. and they're like, hey, we don't really have any original ideas, but we really like this gizmo thing. So let's just kind of tweak the design and turn it into this thing called a Furby and make it the most annoying toy ever made. And we'll make them each an individual house for a demon. Yes. <laughs> the most haunted toys ever. I, I, okay, this is just my theory, but I also think Gizmo was the inspiration for Grogu. Yeah. I, you they can, are you can so see similar. It. Yeah, you can see yeah. that for sure. Yep. Um, and the very last thing, I want to save this for last because this is such a Joe Dante thing to say. But after the film's release, director Joe Dante stated, I still have no idea why this picture was successful. <laughs> yeah, he, he prefers he prefers Gremlins 2 over Gremlins 1. Which is crazy because Gremlins 2 is an absolute shit show. It's something. <laughs> It's definitely something. That's so wild. It, it, the story behind that movie is even crazier than Gremlins, so I can't wait to do that one. We're, we're definitely going to do that definitely one. definitely going to do that one because that behind-the-scenes story is absolutely bonkers, how how fast that went into production and, and just right. how that got started. It absolutely makes no sense how that movie got made the way – oh, my gosh. That'll be fun I, to talk about. I can't about. wait because I really think Gremlins 2 and Evil Dead 2 – are the same. That's going to be interesting we'll, to talk about. And you'll you'll see why. I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I always thought of it this way. But all right, so before we move on, like we've said in the past, we really really appreciate you guys. You guys are the reason why we do this. We really enjoy doing this and we love it when guys reach out to us. So I want to give a big shout out uh to two of our fans, Alan Phillips and Michael Latour, you guys are awesome. Thanks for commenting. Thanks for sharing. Heck yeah. We really appreciate you guys. We're trying to hit all the ones that you guys suggest, so keep it coming. Yeah, for sure. And just real quick, though, real quick, I just want to add a few things about Gremlin stuff. Um, Ooh. uh, Sequels. So there was a point where Chris Columbus was working on Gremlins 3. Yes. And that project is pretty much, I think, dead now. I haven't, there right. hasn't been any updates on it in years. But the last time that Columbus brought it up, he just talked about how excited he was to do it. And he loved the story that they came up with and was bummed out that it hasn't seen the light of day yet. Okay. So he was really excited about it. And with talking about the sequel, this third film he said he thought of it as a direct sequel mostly to the first film but not discounting the second one uh he saw it as very much passing the baton story staying Mm -hmm. in the tone of the original and kind of like touching on the original grams we kind of touched on some of this earlier but it's kind of fun to hear what the screenwriter of the film said carl ellsworth when talking about the original Gremlins movie and how it was originally imagined as a straight-up horror film with mm-hmm. R and with and I quote R-rated insanity, he said these little creatures, what they're really doing, they're cold-blooded little murderers. You know, they're psycho little creatures that are killing everybody. So that's where it all started. I tried to preserve that humor. 
But at the same time, I was starting with the foundation of this being a horror movie, which I was really thrilled about. Nice. So it's just kind of fun to hear kind of his thoughts. And we're talking about... Yeah, where they're coming from. Yeah, where they're coming from. And we're talking about the script for the third film. Columbus said that it was, quote, twisted and dark. And it would have seen the return of Zach Galligan back as Billy. So he would have come back to reprise his role, which would have been cool. Like, it would have been awesome to see that. Right. And it would have also brought back Phoebe Cates. Oh, really? Yeah, that was the plan. Wow. It's explained that Gizmo was at the core of the story and explored Mm -hmm. more of the mythology and the history of the gremlins. Wow. Yeah, that'd be really cool because she's been in retirement for so long. It would be cool to see her back. It would have been awesome. Doing something. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this third film is Coming. really ever going to happen. Um, right. They just can't seem to to get it to get the studios together on it. Um, and then you've got Warner Brothers. Now uh-huh. they are currently developing uh, the TV animated series it's a prequel series and i'm just gonna that's gonna consist of 10 episodes it's coming to hbo max dante is a consultant on the project it's set in 1920 shanghai and the series will tell the story of how 10 year old sam wing the future shop owner mr wing in the 1984 movie met young mogwai called gizmo along with a street thief named l sam and gizmo take up a perilous journey through the Chinese countryside, encountering and sometimes battling colorful monsters and spirits from Chinese folklore. On their quest to return Gizmo to his family and uncover a legendary treasure, they are pursued by a power-hungry industrialist and his growing army of evil gremlins. Crazy. So there's going to be that whole, we get the whole Mr. Wing meaning Gizmo story in this series. So that's going to be fun. That will be fun. Um... This is just my thought on it. So we had, this is a Spielberg movie, right? He's the producer. Did you ever notice that Mr. Wing's grandson is wearing a New York Yankees hat? Yeah, yeah. A lot like the one yeah. Yeah. worn by Short Round? Yep. Do you think we're, there's a connection there? I don't know. I don't know, I hope man. so. I hope that's his son. And Short Round is still out doing adventure. We should do a movie about Short Round as an adult. Yeah, that's... Didn't we pitch that on our last podcast? Yes. Well, we we pitch a lot of things. I know. <laughs> we want a lot of things to happen. I just want that to happen. That's so. That's yep. what needs to happen. If they... With, with, their, with Disney doing their Indiana Jones spinoff series, the only thing that makes sense to me to do is to have it focus on Short Round and his... His adventures as an archaeologist, because he followed in Indy's footsteps. Right. So. Oh, I can't wait. Let's get it going. All right, buddy. Do you got any uh, got any quotes? So there's one quote. Yeah, there's one quote that uh, kind of made me laugh. Uh, there's this scene where they're at the school and. The teacher, Roy, is showing them the cage and the cocoon and stuff that's in the cage. And Uh he's explaining 
to Pete and Billy. This is a cocoon, and inside he's going through changes, lots of changes. And then Pete, Corey Feldman's character, says, like my mother. (laughs) (laughs) Like my mother. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I've got two. Because both of them don't make sense, but they're super hilarious to me every time I hear them. First one is Kate, before we know the Santa story, says, you say you hate Washington's birthday or Thanksgiving and no one cares, but you say you hate Christmas and people treat you like you're a leper. (laughs) Who hates Washington's birthday and or Thanksgiving? I know, you get time off from school and work. Absolutely. And now we know the real thing. Yes. Uh, the other one, the one that made me laugh, I didn't, I've never caught it before, but I caught it this time, is when the gremlins are singing outside of Mrs. Deagle's house. Her response is, Christmas carolers? I hate Christmas carolers. Screechy little, screechy voice, little glue sniffers. Why? <laughs> Who makes that connection? <laughs> Why they got to be glue sniffers? You know, some people have got problems. <laughs> That sounds like a big one. Well, buddy, we did it. Yeah, we got through it. We got through our episode of Gremlins. It was wonderful. It was fun. This is a fun one to talk about. Yeah, it was fun to watch a couple times before getting to do it, too. Yeah. Thank you again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Secret Level. We really appreciate it. You can follow us on our social media channels, Facebook and Twitter, where our call sign is at GT Secret Level. I post stuff there sometimes and we, you know, interact with our listeners and stuff. So check that out. Sign up. Join the party. Also, don't forget to go to geektyrant.com for all of your entertainment, movie, TV, video game news. We're posting stuff there all day. It's what's keeping me busy all day long. And then I do this podcast with yes. Billy, and it's great. We love it. So yeah. we really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Keep Leave up a the review. Good work, guys. Give us thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, give us five stars. Give us hugs. We could always use hugs. We love your suggestions, so keep them going. Yes. So Please. until next time, everybody. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening to this. And good journey. Good journey. Hey, Kate, you haven't seen my new apartment. Kate responds, I haven't seen your old apartment. Yeah, I got cable.